You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by our guest speaker, Dick Schroeder. For part one of this sermon and other LifePoint Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. Thank you for coming back tonight. My local church in Bozeman, and I've, I've been a member there for 44 years, I came to Jesus through the Chi Alpha Ministry, in, um, in 1973, and uh, just got connected with this wonderful family and, um, and, and been around. You know, when, when I came, I was just one of the young kids, and, and now I'm one of the old farts. So it's just been an amazing journey of walking that much life through some, through some wonderful, faithful people. And, and see, our church has a passion for, for listening to God, and, and our, our, my, my, my church is is fervent in operating in spiritual gifts, in an appropriate. We've all seen it done weirdly or in a non-loving way, but, you know, we can, we can do these things in a loving way, and it has tremendous impact on people's lives. Let me just give you one, one example. One, this was a, a few years ago. It was a hot August morning, and my wife and I, and as Drew mentioned, she is in a wheelchair due to an automobile accident 30 years ago. And so she's a real holy roller, you know. So she always punches me when I say that publicly. And so because of that, they, there's a special, a couple of seats in our, our church that, that's like this, that the seats are taken out. So she doesn't like to be in the aisle blocking the aisle. So we tend to sit at, at the same spot each week. And so we just got settled in. And I noticed a new couple that was, that was coming down the aisle. And I hadn't met them. So, so my first my my first desire is to meet them, and and that's what we sh- that's the way we should be, right? Is so when people that we don't recognize go and approach them, you know, and, and welcome them and say, you know, I don't I don't believe I've met you, or maybe I don't remember meeting you, and see that's that's one of the characteristics of the body of Christ is we love one another, and just being friendly and being interested in in people that we don't know. It's great to talk with the friends that we do have, and there's certainly a place for that, but we always need to be aware of the visitor in our midst because we want to be sensitive to them. We want to connect them with God's family. So I noticed this couple, so I went up and introduced myself and greeted them and found out that they were pastors from Oregon, and they they were in Bozeman on vacation. Well, right at that moment, our worship team started, and this couple sat right down in front of me, the, the husband and wife and their 17-year-old daughter. So we, we go through the service, and it was a great time of worship, and then a, a great ministry by a missionary that was there. And, and as we were standing to be dismissed, the Lord spoke to me, and the Lord simply said, I want you to pray for them. And um, I had put a, a roast in our crock pot, and I love crock pot roast potatoes and carrots. And I was hungry, and that's what I was thinking about. So I was not all that spiritually minded at that moment. But I heard the Lord say, Dick, I want you to pray for them. So as the service ended, I, I greeted them again, and I said, could we pray for you as you leave? And how many of you know prayer always communicates love to people? It's a loving thing to say, can I pray for you? And I encourage you in the marketplace, when you, have, when you meet people with needs, ask if you can pray for them. I, about 90% of the time, people will go, sure, can't hurt. And I said, yeah, I can't hurt. It might help, you know, because Jesus is going to show up. And when you pray for them appropriately, out loud, 
using the name of Jesus. See, Jesus is going to do something in their lives. And I figure our job is, Jesus said, those who believe will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So our job is to pray for people, and it's God's problem to heal them, isn't it? So let God take care of his responsibility. We just do our responsibility, and that's to be quick to pray for people. So um, my, my pastor's wife was nearby, and since I, I knew, learned that these two, this couple were pastors, I invited Judy to come, and I said, let's pray a blessing over these people. So we joined hands, my wife, Judy, our pastor's wife, and then the, then the three visitors. So we started praying. And, and I am praying my polite but sincere 30-second prayer, thinking about the pot roast that was waiting for me. And all of a sudden, into, into my mind, a download of thoughts comes. And I, I've come to recognize that's the spirit of prophecy. See, God speaks to us by downloading thoughts into our minds. Sometimes it can be a picture. Sometimes it can be a vision. But what I've learned is that the spirit just, it's like he deposits thoughts in my head. And, and, um, and I've, I've learned over the years that, that um, I can kind of tell the difference when it's just me thinking up something or when it's God that comes totally from outside of me and boop, he deposits something in. So I am praying my polite prayer and boom, this, this series of thoughts came into my mind. And at that moment, I had a choice. I had the choice to obey what the Spirit was saying, which, which meant I was going to take a risk, or I could have just said amen and gone home and eaten my pot roast, but I would have robbed that couple of a blessing the Holy Spirit intended. You guys see, when we disobey, it's not about us. It's, it's about the person that was going to get ministered to by your tongue interpretation, your word of wisdom, your word of knowledge, your prayer for healing. See, whatever Jesus wants to do in our midst, and if I don't respond, I am robbing someone of a blessing. That's a serious thing, isn't it? See, because see, as, as we're gathered and as the Holy Spirit is working in our midst, any one of us at any moment can hear Jesus say something to us. Because he wants to orchestrate the gathering of the saints. See, Jesus is in charge here. Not, not just the people up front. But we want the Spirit to be in charge. And sometimes the Spirit will speak something to, to someone in the congregation. And, and, if, and if, we'll, if we'll simply respond to that, see, then it's like Jesus is, is the great orchestrator, the great orchestra director. And then he's able to express his life from heaven through his obedient servants. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so the more in tune I am with the Spirit, the more I'm learning to hear God's voice. That's what we're talking about. I'm learning to, to respond obediently to the Lord. Then Jesus can do what he wants to do. So I made the choice to stop my prayer, and I simply said, I'm hearing the Lord say some things, and I'm just going to speak them over you in faith. And and and. I started saying, now, what's so amazing is these are not my thoughts. Because I'm, I'm not thinking about these things. I don't know these people. So I don't know what's happening in their lives. And, and, and so I, I respond in obedience. And I start saying things like, you have been in a tremendous spiritual battle. And the, the Lord is, is going to help you. It's too soon to quit. 
the Lord doesn't want you to give up. He says, the Lord says, I, I want you to hang in there because I'm going to give you the victory. So that was kind of the essence of the prophecy. So I finished. Then my wife, she starts prophesying over the pastor's wife and, and, and saying things like, the Lord is calling you into a more active role in ministry. He's, he's preparing you to do this and that. And, and there, were, there was a bunch of things. And then Judy, my pastor's wife, she prays over their 17-year-old teenage daughter. And there's prophetic revelation coming. And, and, and this all goes on for about 15 minutes. And by the time we finished, everybody has left the sanctuary. They're home eating their pot roast. And, and these people just kind of looked at us. I mean, they, there was the mascara had run, tears. And, and it, was, it was a God encounter. And they just kind of dabbed their their tears out of their eyes and said, thank you. And, and, and we looked at each other going, wow. It's like, it was such a God moment. So three weeks later, my pastor gets a letter from this, this brother. And here's what he says. He says, you probably don't remember who we are, but we will never forget our morning at Christian Center. Here's what he said. What no one in your church knew is that the night before, sitting in our recreational vehicle, we made the decision to, dis to resign our church. There's been opposition. We, ha we have grown so weary in the battle. We've decided, this is it. We're going to go home. We're going to quit. And so we came into the service. We were broken warriors, wounded warriors. Could I tell that? No. They had a smile on their face. They looked just like ordinary people. But see, the spirit knows the heart, doesn't he? And, he, and, and this, this brother said, you know, we walked in. We felt the love of people. People greeted us. And then the worship, we felt the, just the refreshing of the presence of the Lord. And then the ministry of the missionary was a word that was for us. And he said, and then as, as we were leaving, your, your campus pastor and his wife and your wife prophesied over us. And, and he says, Pastor, I want you to know that God has changed the direction of our lives. We aren't going to quit. We're going to believe that Jesus is going to bring us the victory. And thank you for the obedience of your staff. See, guys, this is why hearing God's voice is so incredibly important. Because then God can express his unique will and the things that he wants to do for for. For us corporately as well as individually. And the good news, you guys, is we all get to be a part of it. It's not just a couple of superstars that hear everything. All of the body, every one of God's people, has the capability of hearing from the Holy Spirit. And God wants to use us all in spiritual gifts. So let's continue with the teaching tonight. We're, we're talking about I'm going to give you four principles of how to get God to speak to you. Number one we talked about this morning was respond to conviction. Say, when God convicts you of sin, the prayer of Psalms 139, search me, O God, know my heart, test me and see if there be any wicked way in me. That is a great prayer to pray. Say, okay, Lord, just if, I, if I'm messing up in any way, I want to know about it. And the Holy Spirit will correct you. You know, there's a prayer I can guarantee that God will answer 100% of the time. You, don't want to, you want to know what the prayer is? If you pray, God, what's wrong with me? God will speak to you, won't he? Because he wants to transform you and to be more like Jesus. And so just, you know, just encourage you just to continue to seek the Lord. And when he convicts you, respond. 
and you're, 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 you're making a journey where you're coming into the light. And then secondly, we have to have time to listen in the noisy world that we live in. And that's carving out alone time where we just listen to the Holy Spirit. I love my times of silence. I just, I, I just treasure silence. And I, just, I like to be in a place where I can listen quietly to the Lord. Because in that place of quietness, then, then God is going to speak to you. Okay, let's continue. Number three, obey the next thing that Jesus says to you. See, you guys, this is, this is the way to get to heaven. You just do the next thing Jesus tells you to do. And if you do that, you will be an obedient servant and, and you, will, you will become the person that Jesus wants you to become. Eric Little, the famous Olympic champion of the 1920s, uh, a, a, a dedicated Christian who after the Olympics went as a missionary to China for several decades, he said this, you will only know as much of God and only as much of God as you are willing to put into practice. See, it's only what we obey. It's not enough to know things in an intellectual way. It's not enough just to have intellectual belief. We, it must be implemented, implemented in the doing. And James tells us this. He says, he says, we're to be doers of the word, not hearers. Because hearers delude themselves. That means you get into a spiritual realm of illusion that you think you're all right and you're not all right because you haven't done what the scripture has told you to do. Jesus confirms this in John chapter 7. Jesus answered and he says, my teaching is not my own, but it comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own initiative. Now see, here's what Jesus is telling us. If, if you are willing to do the will of God, then you'll know. So you don't know before. You have to, and that's what faith is. Faith is taking that step of obedience, saying, Lord, I'm going to do this. And for initially, you know, when, when we come into a relationship with Jesus, it's believing that he'll forgive our sins, doesn't it? It's believing that. Lord, I believe. And you take that step and you come into the kingdom of God. And each subsequent step is taken by obedience. So as you do, you will know. The shortest point between two points is obedience. The shortest distance between two points, at least spiritually, is obedience. And so what, what God does is God has trained me just in everyday things, every, everyday ways that has increased my confidence in learning to hear God's voice. One time I was, when I was a campus pastor in Bozeman, I was looking for the book, The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. And I had loaned my copy, and I didn't have a copy. And this was before the days of Amazon where you could order things online. And so I was, I was thinking, oh, somebody's got to have a copy because I just, I knew I needed a quote out of that book. And, as, and I'm sitting in our student union building. Uh, there's a, you know, thousand students have lunch there. It's kind of the heart of our campus. I'm sitting there and, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, Dick, go down to the bookstore. And you see, isn't it amazing? Sometimes God speaks and we argue with God. See, because I knew that the bookstore doesn't carry 
C.S. Lewis books. They only carried textbooks. But the Lord says, son, go down to the bookstore. And so after a, a little season of arguing, I, I finally said, okay, God, I'll do it. And you're wrong. You know, that was kind of my attitude. So I go down to the bookstore, and I'm just kind of aimlessly wandering around. And I saw this bargain table, you know, low-priced books. And, and, and the Holy Spirit said, just go look through those books. And I'm thumbing through them, thinking, there's no way they're going to have a copy of the screw tape letters. And boom, I saw a copy for 25 cents. Now, better than getting a book at a good price, I learned something about the Holy Spirit and God's voice. That voice saying, Dick, go downstairs, look in the bookstore, was confirmed by the fact that there, and they normally didn't carry C.S. Lewis books. So it, it was a God thing, and it encouraged my faith. That's like, yes, I'm, I'm listening. Another, another time, I was looking to buy a rack for um, a, a, a new car that I had gotten. It was used, but it was new to me. And I, I needed a, a specific rack to carry ladders. And I went and I went down to the ski shop, and they, they had the kind of racks that I wanted, but they, they were $400. And I thought, oh, there's just no way I can... I can afford that. And, I, and so I just committed it to the Lord. I said, Lord, you know that I need a rack, so will you, will you help me to get one at the right time? So I prayed that prayer and forgot about it. And it was a spring day. I'm driving up to campus, and I drove by the ski shop that I had spoken to a couple of months before. Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, go in there. And I started, again, arguing with the Lord. Lord, i got to get on campus. I've got appointments. And he said, go in there. So, okay, Lord, okay, okay. So I pull in, I go downstairs where they sell the racks, and I said, do you have this kind of rack? And the guy said, we sure do, and they're 60% off. And I went, whoa, yay. So I got, I got my rack at a good price. But again, more importantly, I'm learning to hear the voice of God. And you guys, it happens as you obey. See, the, the wondering, God, is this you, is this me? You know, we all have to sort through that, and it's through obedience. Because as you genuinely hear from God, God will confirm it. See, he'll confirm it in a way that God is saying, yes, you heard my voice. So next time when, you, when you, you're, you're in that situation, you'll have a little more confidence. Like, oh, this worked out last time, so I'm going to try it again. And you do that dozens of times we'll get to the place where we're, where, where we're fairly confident of, of hearing the voice of the Lord. We're never infallible, right? Never infallible. I always have to depend on the Holy Spirit. But there's a confidence that as the Lord speaks, we can jump, we can rush out, rush out in obedience and, uh, and God can use us in an amazing way. So I want to just share a couple of stories here that uh, just to encourage your faith. My, my wife and I, came across a need, uh, one, of, one of our students had a financial need, and as my wife and I prayed about it, we felt the Holy Spirit say, you're, you're to help them financially. And we didn't have that extra money in our budget right at that moment, but both my wife and I felt we, we are to do this. And so we, we made a commitment, and, and, and we met this several hundred dollar financial need. So that weekend, I was going to Eugene, Oregon, where one of our interns was now working at, in, in Oregon, at Oregon State University, and, and Catherine invited me to come out and, and to do a, a weekend Father Heart of God seminar. But 
here's the deal. She said, Dick, all I can do is pay your gas. That's all I can do. And, 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 but she said, but I'm going to trust Jesus that he's really going to bless you financially. Well, I took her up on the offer because how many of you know, Jesus is the kindest person in the universe. So you can always trust God. So, we, we, I, you know, I, I took the trip in faith, and I, I did the, the day seminar. We had about 25 students there. And just before the evening ministry time, Catherine took an offering. And, and she said, we, we want to bless Dick. He's come. And she said, I just want you to give whatever the Holy Spirit asks you to give. They, they passed a bucket around, and uh, I continued with the ministry time. And Catherine went in the bedroom to count the money. I remember she had prayed, Lord. I'm just believing that you're going to really bless Dick. So she's going through, you know, 10s, 20s. She comes across a check for $1,000. $1,000 from college students. <clears throat> and so she was really excited. And so the, the, the whole offering came, came up to $1,300, which more than met my needs, as well as the gift we gave. You know, God took care of all of that. So Catherine, she, she wanted to find out what, why this particular student had given so much. And so after, after the meeting, she approached her and says, you know, Sally, that was a wonderful gift. Tell me the story. And here's what Sally said. Sally said, a year ago, I gave my life to Jesus. And, the, and I have never been able to save money. I've never lived within a budget. It's been a real stronghold in my life. And Jesus asked me, he said, Sally, I want you to start saving a little bit from every paycheck, and I want you to accumulate $1,000. It took her a year, and she had just done that. Just the week before, she had hit the $1,000 mark. See, obedience, that, that was the word of the Lord to her. She obeyed it. And then when she said, when Catherine, when you spoke and, and said, we're going to take an offering for Dick. The Holy Spirit said, I want you to give the $1,000 to Dick. So she, by faith, wrote out the check. And, uh, and, and see, all of the needs were met. But see how obedience is a key? We gave to the student in need when we really didn't have the money yet. We obeyed. Catherine obeyed. And, and, and she paid our gas and said, Lord, bless Dick real good. This new lady that is learning to walk with Jesus, she obeyed by accumulating the $1,000 and giving it at the right moment. You see how it all was orchestrated together? See, that's why obeying the voice of God is, is so critical. Because, you guys, we all get to participate in these God acts. In one of our small groups, the, uh, these, these six men were meeting, and they were meeting in an apartment, and they were in, in folding chairs with each other, you know, uh, in a circle with each other. And the leader said, well, tonight we're just going to start by waiting on the Lord and, and just listening and ask the Holy Spirit if he wants you to do something. So John was sitting there, and in the silence, he thinks he hears God say, John, I want you to get up, go to the kitchen sink, get a glass of water, stand behind Mike, and dribble a drop of water on his forehead. <laughs> How many of you know, this? there's no way this can be God, you know? And, and he, he thought, this is ludicrous. This, what's what's going to happen is going to turn into a water fight, and that's going to be the end of any spiritual benefit that night. But he said the impression kept coming. 
And finally, he said, okay, Lord, I'm going to do this. And he just quietly got up, went to the kitchen, got a glass of water, came back, and he stood behind Mike Emery, who had his eyes closed. And, and remember, the Lord didn't say douse him. He said, just put your finger and one drop of water. He did that. And Mike had his eyes closed like this. And as soon as the drop of water hit his head, he, his face opened up and he said, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Everybody said, what, what can't you believe? He said, you guys know that I have been struggling with the issue of water baptism. And, and so, you know, in Kaiafa, we, we, really, we really believe in adult baptism, at least when you're old enough to make a choice, that, that that's, we just believe that's the best way to do it. He'd go back home, and his, his priest would tell him, no, no, you were baptized as an infant, you're okay. So then Mike would come back, and we'd talk and look at the scripture, and he was just going back and forth, not knowing what to do. So at this very moment in his core group, he's praying, Lord, I've got to know i got to solve this. And, and he said, if you want me to be water baptized, give me a sign. The next thing that happened, as a drop of water dribbled down his forehead, he got his sign and he was water baptized. See, the Spirit of God can direct us in these simple but yet profound ways that impacts people tremendously. We had the privilege 11 years ago of purchasing a fraternity house on our campus. And th this fraternity house uh, was, was $760,000, which is a huge amount for, for me and my wife and for Tim and Carolyn. They, they've now assumed leadership of the ministry. And, but as we prayed, the Lord, the Lord spoke to us and said, I am in this. Can will you take a step of faith? So we did. We took a step of faith. We were able to occupy the house. And uh, we, we had originally MBA, the, uh, the Assemblies of God Ministers Benefit Association, they actually bought the whole house in its entirety and then and gave us a six-month window to kind of get things up and running. And then we started making payments on that. We're really grateful that they did that because we just did not have the money to occupy a, a property that big. So we, we'd been paying on the mortgage for five years, but we were being charged seven and a quarter percent interest, which kills you in terms of the amount of principal that you're retiring. And so we, we went back to MBA and said, would you negotiate a new interest rate? And they said, no, that's what it is. And, and it's their prerogative. It was a contract. We understood that. So we, we said, Lord, there's got to be some individuals that would be willing to take over the payment at a lesser rate of interest, enough interest that it would still bless them, but not at seven and a quarter percent interest. So we talked to our state superintendent and we presented the need to him and, and he said, well, I'll pray about it and I'll, I'll let you know if something materializes because you know, he meets people from all over the state. Well, about six months later, he calls us up and he says, I have a couple that are interested, a couple that are interested. And so we, we made an arrangement for them to come down to Bozeman, and we took them through the Kaiapha Ministry Center. We had some students give testimonies because we wanted to paint a picture of what the, the Kaiapha Ministry was all about. And the, the last thing that we did for them is that we, we, after feeding them really good with a prime rib dinner, we, we, we had a time of ministry by the laying on of hands. And, and uh, both my wife and I had prophetic words for, for this couple which they appreciated. They said, thank you. And Cal told us, he said, well, my wife and I will pray about it and we'll let you know in a week our decision. So they went back home and a week later, Cal calls us up and he says, we, we are going to do this. 
He said, we, we thought we were just buying a building. But he says, I realize we're investing in a vision that's changing the world. So my wife and I, we want to do that. And Cal told us this. So we originally asked for 15 years. And he said, no way, I'm going to give you 15 years. I'll give you 10. And we kind of gulped at 10 years. And then he challenged us. He said, I'm challenging you. I believe God wants to pay this property off in five years. And I'm going, five, five years. You know, When it says Abraham did not stagger over the promise, I, well, I was staggering, I tell you. But I, I, I took that back to the Lord. I said, okay, Jesus, what, what's the deal here? What, what are you requiring of me? I'm, I'm not sure I have the faith to believe for five years, but I'm saying, God, what do you, what do you require of me? And the Lord spoke to me. The Lord said, Dick, if you will believe me for 5000 for you and my wife to put in, he said, I will raise up 11 others, and the house will be paid off in five years. Well, see, when, when God makes a deal, you can't lose, right? Because he's faithful. So I signed on the dotted line. I said, okay, Lord, you got yourself a deal. And you guys, every year, the Lord has provided 5000 extra dollars through amazing ways that I would have never anticipated. But God was faithful to give us the 5000 and God has raised up others to contribute. And I'm happy to report that as of December, we will pay the mortgage off in five years. Hallelujah. Glory to God. See, see, God responds to faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And, and, and see, and that's where each one of us. Now, you guys, don't start with believing God for 760,000. My faith in the beginning was way too weak. Faith is like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the more strength you get. So you start in the small things. You do the little things that Jesus is asking you to do. And then he'll give you more and give you more. And see, from faith to faith, we grow. And, and, and our faith muscle grows. And God is able to do greater and greater things through us. So hearing God's voice is so critical. Last one. Dare to take the risk of obedience. See, dare to take the risk of obedience. You guys, obedience always comes with a cost, doesn't it? The cost might be, boy, I'm going to sure look foolish if this word doesn't turn out to be right. Or what are people going to think of me if I get up and say that in front of the group? Or what happens if God doesn't come through and I fall flat on my face? You guys, as you read your Bible... Every person in the Bible that did something for God took a risk, didn't they? They all did. There was no guarantee. Abraham believed that he, that, that he could have a son long after that it was biologically possible for he and Sarah to have a child. You know, they were, they were old and there was no Viagra, you know. It was, <laughs> it was a done deal. And yet he, he believed God, didn't he? He said, God, you, you can do it. He held on to his faith. And I, lo I love this story in Genesis because God comes to him in, the, in these three travelers. They show up and they tell him, they said, you know, Abraham, in about a year from now, you're going to be a father. And Abraham goes, yes, that's what I've been believing God for. And Sarah is in the tent and she overhears what these guys are saying. And when, when Sarah hears that, what does she do? She laughs. Why? Because... <laughs> 
This ain't going to work. The plumbing is dried up. This ain't going to work, you know. In the natural, uh, it wasn't going to happen. And she laughed because it was so ludicrous. And then later on, she denies it. The, the traveler says, well, you laughed. She said, well, I really didn't. Yeah, but you really did, you know. And, and, and you guys, God did a miracle. Talk about a, a makeover. Sarah became beautiful like a young woman again and all of her biological processes were renewed and, and, and even Abe, you know, he was able to get it on and they ended up having a child for the glory of God. It's the only time this has ever happened in history, but it happened because it was the will of God for the line of the Messiah to come through a supernatural line of people. See, Abraham believed God and there was a risk in it, wasn't it? had no guarantee that this was going to happen. And look what Romans 4 says. Romans 4.12 says about Abraham, and he is also the father of the circumcised, of, of, he is also the father of the circumcised, who are not only circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So you guys, we are sons and daughters of Abraham if we walk in steps of faith, if I am learning to hear God's voice and I'm obeying it, that's how we walk in footsteps of faith. What, whatever it is that God is saying to you. David Platt in his excellent book entitled Radical says, spiritual old age occurs the moment you stop taking risks. And boy, the older I get, the tougher it is to take risks. Why? Because I like security. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't like emptying my bank account out. And then, God, i got to trust you for finances. So I don't like that feeling. But if I'm going to grow and be, the, and be the man God wants me to be, I must take steps of faith. And the same is true for you, my friends. So start with the little things. Start with things like, Lord, how much do you want me to give in the offering? Lord, how much, do, you know, how much do you want me to support this missionary? Just ask the Lord those kinds of questions. You know, Lord, should I buy a new car or, or should I do something else? See, let, let Jesus be Lord of, of decisions like this. And, and you guys, this is what will preserve your spiritual vitality. See, this, is, this is what keeps us on the growing edge. And, it, and, it, and there's life in it. There's life in it. And we don't have to lose our vitality and our enthusiasm for Jesus. And you won't lose it if you commit yourself to obeying God. See, you will not lose it if you commit yourself to obeying God. I told you this morning, my friend Jerry. And a couple of years ago, my friend Jerry, he stopped me and he said, Dick, I need you to pray for me because I'm, I have a decision that I need to make, and, and, and I really need to hear from God on this. So would you seek the Lord? So I said, sure. So I said, Lord, if you have something to say, fine. And um, about a week later, they, they often walk by our house. They try to do a daily walk. And as, as, they, uh, as they walked by my house, I just pulled up. And as I got out of the car, the word of the Lord came to me. And the word of the Lord was this, whatever you're thinking about doing, don't do it. That's what I felt the Lord say. So I hopped out and I said, Jerry, this is what the Lord says. Whatever you're thinking about doing, don't do it. 
And, and he kind of looked at me kind of shocked, and I just repeated it. And, and he said, thank you, and, and he left. Well, five years went by, and I had no idea if the word was true, accurate, because we didn't ever talk about it again. So just this summer, he came by, and I said, Jerry, remember that, that word about don't do what you're thinking about doing? I said, whatever happened with that? And he goes, oh my goodness, Dick, didn't I ever tell you? I said, no. He said, my family was inviting me into a business partnership. And I was thinking about going into business with some of my family members in this business venture. And so that's what the Lord said, don't do it. And he said, I responded. I did not do it. And he said, Dick, I'm so glad because the whole thing ended up in bankruptcy and, and the, the people that were involved in that had to go through bankruptcy. It was a terrible, terrible thing. And he said, the Lord spared me because you heard from Jesus. You guys, these are life and death issues that God is, 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 is putting before us. And so my challenge for you tonight, as, as we're, we're going to, I'm going to invite the worship team to come now. And we just want to spend just some time, I'm, I'm, uh, we're going to worship the Lord. And then I'm going to just invite everyone to come to the altar. We're just going to spend some time here before the presence of the Lord. We're going to pray for each other. We're just going to say, Lord, we, we want to be your instruments. We want to be used of you in powerful ways. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information, please visit www.livethemessage.org.